Yes, and good morning again. It's so good to be back with you, and we are glad to be in the house of the Lord. Enjoyed that great worship, as we the great worship as we talked about just how great and wonderful our God is. And yeah, I know that was a pretty edgy song. We're starting a new series today, and I need to kind of explain to you where this came from. Um, there was a movie that came out in 2017 entitled The Greatest Showman. How many of y'all saw that movie? Yeah, well, that was a really good film. It really was. It was clean. Um, and like I say, it's based on the life of P.T. Barnum. And, uh, you know, he was kind of a shyster con man kind of guy. He, of course, came up with the idea of the circus and the Three Rings Circus. And, uh, but, but that's kind of who he was. But anyway, so it's based on him. And in that, in that movie, um, there's all the music was original. And I'm telling you, and if you remember the movie... It was just chucked full of great songs, great songs. In fact, about a year and a half after it came out, maybe like a year, um, there was a, that one of the songs was Never Enough by Rebecca Ferguson. And um, I used it in one of my sermons, and that's how good it was. And I talked about, you know, she, her song says, Never enough, never enough. All the shine of a thousand spotlights would never be enough without you. And we talked about, you know, without Jesus, all the shine of the world is never enough. You're going to hear that in about three weeks. And so anyway, so we did that. And that day, that day I told you, I said, now listen, don't be surprised if one day you don't see a sermon series based on these songs. Well, guess what? Today is that day. Today is that day. We are going to spend the next five weeks looking at these songs. Um, Rewrite the Stars is one of them. talks about our destiny in Christ. Um, uh, this is me uh, about overcoming our insecurities um, in life. Just, just chuck full. Just chuck full. I cannot wait to preach them. And, you know, uh, you know, some people say, well, they're not Christian songs. Well, sometimes, you know, God can use things that are not necessarily, quote, Christian to really bring across a message. You know, he gave us the gift of music. And this song that we just heard, The the Greatest Show, again, it was edgy. It was edgy. And you may have had a hard time um, hearing and understanding the words. Let me suggest you look up the words on the Internet. But, like, the, the bottom line was, you know, welcome to the greatest show on earth. That was it. And this is an invitation today to make God big. It's an invitation today just to make God as big as he truly, truly is. Because we have a tendency, we have propensity and a tendency to make God small. We don't put God in a box, and yet really that's just not possible, nor practical, nor a good thing to do, okay? So we want to look at today, welcome to the big top. Our couple scriptures we're going to be using is in Psalm 145, 3 and 4. And we have a, we always have a scripture, kind of an overlying scripture, and somewhere we'll probably touch on this, but it's a great scripture. It's kind of small on this screen. Isaiah 43, 18b through 19. Um, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah says, But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And I want you to understand something. Listen, if we'll let God, if we'll let God, He wants to do some incredible things in this world and in our lives, okay? Um, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to, for I am about to do something new. And I know we're going to talk about it in just a moment, but in the crazy world we live in, it's like, oh no, it's going, it's going crazy, it's going nuts. No, you don't understand. God is on the, on the threshold of doing something new. Whether it be revival or whether it be the second coming of Jesus Christ, you know, something is going to happen, and God's about to do something new. So, welcome to the big top. Now, the term big top, of course, deals with a circus. How many of you guys, now, now I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the little tiny circus, but how many of y'all have ever been to a full-blown three-ring uh, P.T. Barnum circus? Raise your hands. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah. Do they even have those anymore? I don't, I'm not sure they do. 
I'm not sure they do. I know when I was about eight or nine years old, um, again, life was pretty difficult financially, but somehow mom and dad scraped up some money and took us down to the circus downtown. And it was held in the Jacksonville Coliseum, huge place. And I got to experience the circus. And one thing I remember so well is we're sitting up pretty high, but you could clearly see the three rings, okay? And in the rings, three great things would be happening all at the same time. Okay, now even for a guy who couldn't stand still, okay, I'm sure I've got some kind of syndrome, we haven't diagnosed it yet, but for a guy who has a hard time standing still, you know, I would look over here, then I'd look over here, and look over here, then look in the middle, so much was going on. Over here, you know, it would be the trapeze folks, and over here would be the clowns doing their thing. In the middle, the ringmaster would have the whip, and, you know, he would be taming the lines. All this was going on, and you almost got, you know, rubberneck from trying to see everything that was, was going on. And that's how life can be. That's how life can be. So our intro slide says it this way. You know, life can be like a three-ring circus. Life can be like a three-ring circus, you know, under the big top. It can be exciting. It can be entertaining. And it can be a bit crazy. Life is like that. You know, there's some wonderful things that happen in life. There's a lot of exciting things that happen in life. And life, honestly, can be crazy. And that's all good. But what do you have, what do you do when those three rings are not exciting? What do you do when those three rings are not entertaining? What do you do when life gets really crazy? You wonder, you know, what are you going to do and how are you going to do that? And that's really where God comes in. You know, a lot of times we can manage life. We can manage life. But when the huge things come in, you know, over in this ring, over here, this one right here, in this ring, there's wars. There's rumors of war. You know, we, for the last couple of years, we've dealt with the war with Ukraine and Russia. And it's really impacted us because of the economy. And we've seen you know, the horrors of war in that. And now there's Israel and Hamas. And I, I wondered if you guys even paused and prayed about that last week. Um, I'm, I'm still off the news, but I've gotten bits from different people who told me about the horrors of what's going on between Israel and Hamas. There's wars and rumors of wars. Maybe over here is a visit to the doctor, and, and he's mentioned the cancer word. Um, he's mentioned, you know, surgery. He, he's heart replacements, heart surgeries, Brent. You know, he's mentioned those kind of things. And maybe here in the middle, in the center ring, you know, there's, there's a family that's struggling. Your marriage is on the rocks. You know, and he knows, your husband knows, that it's just about to break. The dam is about to break, and the marriage is going to be lost. You know, children are going to be through the horrors of a divorce. You know, or maybe, maybe you're here and your life is just like crazy, okay, because mom and dad did go through that, and, and now dad's living somewhere else or mom's living somewhere else. Maybe a school. I don't know how you guys do it. It was tough when I was a teenager. I can't imagine what it is now a zillion years later. I don't know. But the bottom line is, you know, there are some circles, there are some rings in our life that are very, very difficult. Life can be like a three-ring circus. It can cause fear. You know, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. But the bottom line is life can be pretty frightening. But then there's this. But what if, but what if it's God's big top and he is the ringmaster? 
Then it all comes together. And this, listen, if you're, if you're on the line about, you know, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. You know, he's kind of like, hey, I, the way I see God, he's kind of like that P.T. Barnum guy. He's a con artist, you know? Uh, you know he's kind of like that B.T. Barnum guy, you know? But, but wait. The consequences of throwing God out the window and under the bus are pretty huge. I told Judy... You know, before we make any decisions, whether we're going on vacation or what our future looks like or whatever, we, we, have, got to, we have got to make sure we know where we're going. And in life, you've got to know where you are going. We are, as a church, in these days that we're living in, that our church needs to make sure we stay focused on where we are going, who we're going to run to and embrace. You know, if you're going to throw God away, who are you going to run to? Really, who are you going to run to? Hence, if God's big top and he's the ringmaster, like a puzzle, it comes together. And somehow it begins often to make some kind of semblance of sense. See, God's big top, God's big top, because he's a really big God, uh, God's big top is really big. In fact, the psalm says in Psalm 24, 1, it says, one, number one, the earth is the Lord's. Not Africa, not England, not America. The earth is the Lord's. And then it goes on and says this, and everything in it. I mean, God has a really, really big top. He will invite you to live and dwell under his big top. And he's the ringmaster. Remember, I mentioned it casually real casually, that often the ringmaster was the lion tamer. And he would have his, he would out there and, and here were the lions and he would crack his whip and the lions would obey his command. And oh my goodness, what a beautiful picture of the power of God, and the majesty of Christ and all of his power when the roaring lion Satan acts like he's in control and God just simply cracks his whip and says, no, I don't think so. No, this one is mine. So, so God invites us under the big top. He invites us to let him be the ringmaster of it all. Colossians and chapter 1 and verse 17 says this. He existed. God existed. He existed before anything else. Now listen. Y'all believe the word of God? Yeah, 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 you should. Okay? He existed before everything else existed. And, listen, he holds everything together. That's what it says. Uh, in fact, a little more New King James-ish, by him all things consist. In other words, all the molecules and all the atoms are stuck together because God, our God, is big enough and great enough to hold it all together. And listen, your life that's about to fall apart, he can hold it together. Your marriage that's about to fall apart, he can hold it together. And, and, and students, you know, when, when again, your life is just like on, on shaky stuff because your parents are, are about to fall apart, you know, he can hold it all together if we let him. He's got the big top and he is the ringmaster. And I think that's why, I think that's probably why the psalmist wrote Psalm 61.4, okay? I think that's what he had in mind. He probably didn't have P.T. Barnum and he didn't have the word circus, but Psalm 61.4 says this, I will dwell in your tent forever. The psalmist said, look, I've looked around. There are other tents. Okay. I looked around. There's other dwelling places, but I've come to the conclusion. 
I'll come to the conclusion. I will dwell in your tent forever. You know, over the last two weeks, we, we stayed a night in a hotel, and we stayed a couple of nights in Airbnb. We stayed with the family for six or seven nights. Then we stayed with another family for a night. We were all over the place. We did not have. And one thing we said coming home, it happens every time. You know what we said? Judy, we get to sleep in our bed tonight. We came home to our residence. We come home to the place that we call home. And the psalmist said, listen, I've looked at all the other dwelling places, and I want to dwell in your tent. I want to dwell under your big top forever, and I want to take refuge under the shelter of your wings. What a great place to be. What a great thing to do. So, Salah, what do you think of that? Salah is like a pause button, you know. We remember back when they had VCRs, you hit the pause button. And those of you who are really old, you know, you remember the VCR hit the pause button? You know, now on our, t- our computer screens, I was watching worship, worship this morning, uh, Celtic worship, and I hit the pause button because I wanted to, you know, pause and contemplate it. You know, Salah simply means this I'm hitting the pause button. I'm hitting the pause button. I want to ponder what I just heard. And so the psalmist says, ponder that. I will dwell in your tent forever and take refuge under the shelter. I'm going to hit the pause button. And then we add welcome to the big top. God's big top. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the greatest show on earth. God is so great. You You know how great God is? God is so great that he, in his magnificent sovereignty, said, I need a way to try to show the people, the people on earth, just how great I am. And see what he did? He created. Do you know what he created? Well, yes, everything. But you know what else he created? The stars. The stars. Look at Psalm 19, 1 and 2. The heavens... The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. In other words, you know, the, if you look up the job description, the heavenly job description of, of the stars, their job would be to proclaim the greatness and the goodness of God. I mean, it's amazing. We did it in England. We were sitting there, and the folks that we were staying with had this wonderful little quaint English garden. So we went out there at, at, at night, had our little blankets on because it was a little bit chilly, and drank our coffee, not tea. And, and you're just sitting, and we're looking up, and there are the stars. Have you ever done that? When's the last time you just paused to take a look at a full moon? When, when's the last time you got away from the, the light pollution and just looked at the stars? And every time, every time, this verse is on mind. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display its craftsmanship. It's like God said, I'm going to give the people that love me and I love an example of just how wonderful I am. And he gave us the stars. But you know what's crazy? There's more that we can't, can see, can't see than we can see. There's more that we can't see that we can see. In 1990... The NASA, NASA launched the Hubble satellite. And it's like 30 tons and 43 feet long. It's huge. And, and so it gets up there and had a little problem they had fixed. But anyway, they did get it fixed. And this, this telescope, um, because it's above the pollution and above all the light pollution, all of that, it's up in space where it's all clear. It takes this look into deep space. 
and it found. It looked and found beyond what we could see right here and go, Wow, God, God, you're really great. And he says, you haven't seen anything. And they fire up Hubble telescope and they see 10,000 galaxies. And that's not all of them. That's as far as they could see. And that's in a narrow window. But they saw 10,000, not not 10,000 planets, not 10,000 stars, but 10,000 galaxies. You you know how it works. We're in a solar system. Our solar system is part of the universe. And our universe is part of our galaxy. And our galaxy is called a Mars bar. No, (laughs) the Milky Way. (laughs) That's the best I've got, folks. (laughs) Yeah, the Milky Way. Well, as they looked out into deep space, they see 10,000 galaxies, each one of them the same size or bigger than our own galaxy. And you say, well, why 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 would God create all those things that we can't even see? Because they weren't created for us. They were created for Him because He's such a great job. And the job of the stars is to proclaim the majesty and the greatness of God. And it goes on rolling through space. Great is Lord. Great is God. Holy is God. Holy is God. Beyond what we can even see or imagine. Hubble just helped us. Hubble just helped us. There's a galaxy out there. It's named after a Mexican hat. Sombrero. A Sombrero galaxy. The Sombrero galaxy. Throw throw that picture up there, Eli. Now this, keep in mind, this is not a painting. This is not an artist rendition. Uh, Yeah, whatever the word is. That is an actual composite photograph, composite of photographs of the Sombrero galaxy. That's not a planet. That's not just even a universe. It's a galaxy. And they estimate that in that galaxy is, are you ready? 200 billion, with a B, stars. And they found 10,000 like that. Well, Dwayne, I don't, wait, wait. So, so this thing is out there, and, and, and yet, why did God create that? Because he's a great God. Because he's a great God. Because he's trying to find a way to show his greatness. And his greatness extends beyond what we can know and even what we could see. This, this dude, this Sombrero galaxy, is 29 million light years from Earth. Okay, now I'm intentionally going to just mess with your mind. Because, you know, when you do word pictures, you're supposed to make them simple so you can get... There's no way to make this simple. Okay, so here we go. So, uh, the speed of light is 186,000. 186,000 miles per second. Per second. Okay? So, if this dude is is 29 million light years from Earth. How far is that? More than you can comprehend. More you can imagine. And by the way, that's not the... That, you know, you don't get to Sombrero Galaxy and there's a sign there that says, The End. It goes on and on 
and on. And why again? The heavens declare the glory of God. So I want you, here's what I'm trying to say. I don't know what's in your rings. I don't know if it's cancer. I don't know if it's a broken marriage. I don't know about an uncertain future. Uh, I don't know if it's next week's science test. I don't know what it is. I'm just telling you, there's a really, really big God. If he can do this, he can handle whatever you're facing. You know, if, he, if he can do this, he can handle whatever it is that you're facing. So, so back into Psalm 19 and verse number 2. Okay, look here. Day after day. Somebody say day after day. Day after day. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. So 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, a zillion millennium into the future, a million zillion millennium in the back. Over and over, all we hear is, holy, 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 your God is great. He's a great God. He's a wonderful God. He's a powerful God. They don't take a break. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Listen, and that's the God that wants to love you and serve you. Or see you serve him. That loves you and wants you to serve him. And no matter what it is you're not handling, he can handle. No matter what's in your rings, what's going on in your life, what's got you afraid, he is big enough to handle it. Psalm 145.3 Chimes in now. It's like, it's, you're talking about anticlimactic. This is like anticlimactic. So the psalmist in 145.3 says, Okay, so here we go. Great is the Lord. You kind of go, well, that's kind of like anticlimactic, you know. <laughs> He's searching for words. He's searching for words. And don't we often search for words when we try to describe and think about how big God is? Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. We sang that over and over again in our worship time. Trey did such a wonderful job of choosing the songs that told us about how wonderful and how great he is. And here's why I didn't feel bad about using the 29 million light years and you can't get your arms around it. No one can measure his greatness. I think I could stand up here for an hour and try to find words that would tell you how great God is and I would come up short every time. And so would you. I think, in fact, the psalmist did the same thing. No one can measure his greatness. Let me measure your brain one more time. It's really really cool. I I, I was talking about this in the first service, and um, I mentioned these numbers I'm fixing to throw out, and I said, someone needs to do this math for me. So Monterey Palmer uh, texted me during um, the break and gave me the number. Okay, here we go. So if, if the speed of light is... Five, are you ready? If the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second, that means in one year, light travels 5.8 trillion miles. That's one year. Light tra- at the speed of light, it travels um, that far, 5.8 trillion miles. So the math came in this. I said, well, if light travels 5.8 trillion miles in one year, and that, that Sombre galaxy is 29 million miles from Earth? What number is that? Well, I happen to know. Because Monterey told me. It was, are you ready? It's 168.2 followed by 24 zeros. Yeah, imagine that many miles. Let me do it one more time. 168. 
24.8.2 followed by 24 zeros. So God, here's, we think God like, you know, this is the center of God's universe. Man, he's doing work out there. 1.68.2 followed by 28 or 24 zeros, 28 zeros. What? That's incredible. That's how great that he is. And listen, no one can measure his greatness because sombreo is not the end. It just had to be a galaxy that we discovered that far away. So the God that did that can take care of you. That's a good place for an amen. The God that did that can take care of you and loves you and wants to take care of you. Uh, the God who did that allowed his son to be nailed to a Roman cross so we could have a relationship with him. The God that did that tucked him away in a tomb for three days and resurrected him on the third day, and he lives now as King of kings and Lord of lords. That is just amazing. Great is the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. No one can measure his greatness. We try, but we fall short. Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham said, Only when we understand the greatness of God will we understand our smallness. Mm-hmm. Think about that one for a minute. We think, you know, well, you know, I'm the, I'm the center of the universe. Earth is the center of the world, you know, the universe. You know, man, Earth is just a wonderful place, but it's not the center of all God's creation. And only when we understand the greatness of God we'll begin to understand just how small that we are. I like the way John Wesley put it. Listen to this. This is great. Bring me a worm that can comprehend a man, and then I will show you a man that can comprehend God. Isn't that good? And see, this is what we've got. Listen, one, this is what we need to believe. Two, this is what we need to share. We live in a world today where people are so searching, and we're throwing... (laughs) Oh, forgive me. We throw them our little religious pill. Here, take, take one of these. Just go to church. Just start this and stop that. Just keep the rules. We throw them our little religious pill, and it does nothing for them. Throw them Jesus. Amen. Throw them a man who died on a Roman cross, who came back to life on the third day and lives today. Give them the real deal. Give them Jesus. Amen. The power and the hope of the gospel of Jesus. You know, Jesus, or Isaiah said in 55, 9, God speaking through the prophet says this. He said, listen, listen, as the heavens are higher than the earth, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you said this before? Well, I just don't understand God. Well, aren't you glad? Do you really want a God you can understand? Is you really want a God you can figure out? I prefer one that's so big and massive and great, I can't get my arms around him. I just prefer that. If I'm going to pick my God, I'm going to pick a good one, big one. Good one, big one. And here's the deal. Something that's happening in America culture, culture is that, that not only do we put God in small boxes, we, don't, we forget how great he is, we forget what he does. We forget what's important. You know, we, we have a tendency to, you know, worship the hand and not the heart of God. We worship God for what he can do for us instead of what he's already done for us. 
We worship the hand, oh God. And, and we judge God's success in our lives by the hand. By, well, you know, God did this for me, and God did this for me, and God did this for me. And we measure God in our lives by this. It's a this in his face. His radiant glory and his greatness. I know this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I'm not throwing out an idea. I'm just going to use it for an illustration. You know, imagine a small church, you know, where they're, they're out there, and they ask the preacher to stand at the door, and the people come by, and they tell him how much they appreciate him and love him. And then, then each one shakes hands with the pastor, and in each hand, there's something folded up. What happens, the young pastor puts in his pocket, doesn't even think about it. Thank you so much. I love you. All that. Next person comes up, same thing, over and over again. And something else in the hand, he puts it in his pocket. He goes, what are they giving me? And so before long, he looks at a glance, and it's got a 10 or a 20 or whatever on it. He puts it in his pocket. And before long, he stops looking and listening to their face and heart and starts looking what's in their hand. That's what we do with God. That's what we do with God. We want to focus not on the hand of God, but the heart of God and the face of God. Because he is so big, so wonderful, and so great. So that leads us to verse number 4 of 145. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. This is the greatest responsibility that we have. You know dominoes. If you get one domino, you set them up on their end, and you take one domino out, the dominoes fall, 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 and then they stop. Do you understand? Now listen, listen, listen to your pastor. Do you understand? In the culture we live in today, we are one domino away from Christianity not being a massive force in our country. We're all fed up that Christianity is not a massive force in our country. We're just one domino away. And the way you keep Christianity prevalent in America and share it is to share the gospel. So you, we've got, we've got, listen, we've got to tell his children of your mighty acts. Listen, you know, tell, tell your kids about your heart for God. And for goodness sake, have a heart for God. Have a heart for God. Let each generation tell his children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Let them proclaim your power. Get, get passionate about the God you know. Get passionate about the God that you serve. Our final teaching point says this. As followers of Christ, it is our responsibility to create legacies. You know, each one of you are leaving a legacy. I, this really bugs me. You know, as you know, in January, I'm going to be 70 years old. I know, I look 12, but, you know, that's the way it is. You know? But anyway, yeah, so I'm going to be 70 years old. And so much of my life is written. And I want to finish well. I want to make sure that the legacy I leave for my children, my grandchildren, and for you is a legacy of Christ. I've always said, isn't it funny, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe 25. No, it was before you guys. I've been here 20, working on 24. So before that, one day, these words came out of my mouth. Let the last thing, I said it as a prayer. Father, let the last thing said about me be about you. May the last thing said about me. And it's kind of significant because it's all those years ago, and I still remember it. 
and I still desire it. And don't you? Don't you? It doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank when you die. It doesn't matter how many titles you've got. That doesn't matter. What matters is what you did with Christ in your life. How that legacy has been passed on to your children and your grandchildren and their children. Let's create legacies that will take the next generation to a level that is larger than we ever imagined. Let's talk. Let's live. Let's sing. Let's live this mighty, mighty God. A God so big that when he wanted to tell us how great he was, he created a sombre galaxy. That's 5.8 trillion miles a year away from Earth. That's 29 million light years from Earth. And again, what we can't see is even greater than what we can. He is a great, great God. We're going to do something different today for our invitation. Um, we will be observing the Lord's Supper today. And let me, before I forget to say it, um, in case you're visiting today, or perhaps you've not been here for one of our observances, um, you're, you know, if you're a believer in Christ, you are more than welcome to partake with us. You do not need to be a member of Doorsville. This is not one of those closed communion guys. You know, we're family. And uh, we want you to, to uh, participate in the Lord's Supper with us. So what we want to do is, the team's going to come up in just a few moments. We're going to sing that great song that we did almost every Lord's Supper in remembrance. Because, you know, Jesus did the Lord's Supper so we could remember. In fact, not only just the cross, but also in the empty tomb, but, but also um, the greatness, the greatness of God, the greatness of the cross, the greatness of the gospel. So that Thursday night... You know, he, he passed some bread, or, you know, some uh, bread around, you know, and they broke off a piece and said, this is my body, and tomorrow it's going to be broken for you. I'm taking your place on the cross. And then he had a chalice, and they all took a drink of that and said, you know, this represents my blood. And that was spilt. It will be spilt for you tomorrow. And so today we want to observe that. So if you're here today and you've never um, experienced this grace that we talked about through this great God, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front, and uh, we'd like to invite you to come while they sing. And then the altar's open, too. Is there something? In, hey, is there a ring in your life that's just about to take you down? Is there something going on in one of your three rings? Maybe it's the war. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a broken family relationship. If there's something you just like to pray about, well, the altar's going to be open. And then about an hour, an hour, gosh, jet lag, about a minute and a half. How about that? About an hour after that, we're going to do this. Now, about a minute and a half, okay, um, I'll invite you to stand. We want to let you be seated. And then I invite you to stand when you're ready to go to one of the tables we have. We have two here. We have two in the back. And then this is a gluten-free if you need that uh, for the bread. Okay, and so I'm going to invite you to stand. You go to the tables and get your elements. They'll be stacked. Uh, the uh, juice will be on top and the bread on the bottom. And they'll stack together. Then go back to your seats. And after everyone's been served, then we'll observe the Lord's Supper together. Okay, and I want you to do this for me. Um, while, we're, while we're singing, while they're singing, and you're welcome to sing along for that first minute or so, you know, just take a moment and pause and say, God, thank you for being so great. Thank you for being so great that I can't even comprehend who and how big you are. You are. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing today. Thank you for being a God that's so big we can't get our arms around it.
Thank you for the Sombre Galaxy, 29 million light years from Earth, and it's not the end. Thank you for a God so, that you're such a God that would send your son Jesus and have him born in a cradle and then, and then live a perfect life and die on a cross and get in a tomb and come back to life on the third day. Thank you for that. And thank you that today he's with you in heaven and he's king and he's coming back. Father, these wars do frighten us. The economy sometimes is frightening. Our health sometimes is frightening. But you are greater than all of that. Help us to trust you with that. Father, we want to pray right now and ask your blessings on our Lord's Supper observance. We thank you, Jesus, um, for that night when, when you had the bread and, and it was your body, it represented your body and was broken. And you asked us to, to eat it in remembrance of you. And for the juice that represents this new covenant in your blood, uh, overdone with the law and you fulfilled the law, and by your blood and grace, we can be forgiven of our sins. Thank you for all of that. And thank you for today. Thank you for being our God. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.